So here we are on a, uh, what, what is it, a Friday? It, it feels like a Thursday because Paul Morris is with us, but it feels like a Friday months ago, but doesn't feel like either because we haven't done an episode yet this week because of some technical disasters. Mm. So here we are, the four of us, fingers crossed that we're going to get this one off. And Paulie is with us. Was the music news. Um, uh, I don't think he has anything as monumental as the brand new David Hasselhoff metal audio. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, nothing can be as important as a David Hasselhoff video. If 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 you if you really if you really are upset with yourself, look up Q Stack C U E Stack and watch the full video of Through the Night featuring David Hasselhoff. It, it's three and a half minutes. You'll never get back. <laughs> Black Sheep Radio with Ben McVie, Mark LeFave, and Chris Brown. Join the conversation at BSR Podcast on Facebook and at Radio underscore Sheep on Instagram and Twitter. I actually got up and uh, watched the new Taylor Swift uh, video this morning. Yeah, so uh, I, I suppose that's the newest of the news is that uh, she dropped, she tipped off that there was a new album coming out today. This is like the companion album to her last one called Folklore. And it's pretty much in step uh, sonically um, that that album is. And and you know what? If you if you don't like Taylor Swift, maybe you, and if you, you're kind of into a folky type of thing, you may want to check this thing out because if the, I find this thing really listenable. You know, she's working and collaborating with a lot of different type of people, and it's far beyond the Taylor Swift that we first got introduced to 10 years ago, you know? So um, that w- that's interesting. The new album is called... Um, I think it's Evermore. Evermore, that's right. And uh, that's three, album for, three albums for Taylor Swift in just over a year. That's pretty profound. But else, what else are you doing, you know? I guess it's like yeah. that. Rivaling the, the, that one uh, Hendrix year when he just like put out album after album. You know what I mean? It's like that her pace is, is impressive. You know, we probably go back and look at artists that recorded a buttload of music. Uh, you know, the, 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 I don't want to say the current trend because that has changed. But there was a time that you put out an album and then there was a touring cycle and then you rested and then you wrote and then did another record and went out. Um, and sometimes that could be as much as five years. You know, if you're tool, it's every 10 years. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, uh, in, in, my, in, my, in my mind, nothing, nothing. I mean, you can jam three albums into a year, a la Swift or Hendrix, but nothing will ever top what the Beatles packed into less than a decade. Yeah. Oh, like my that, God, it's ridiculous. That will never, ever be accomplished again. No, it's yeah. impossible. There's not enough time in the day. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll count it up, but uh, Elton John's early catalog, I think, mm. rivals that a little bit. But, I mean, mm. that, these are exceptional exceptions. The thing about it is, look what came out of all those all those artists, except incredible, unbelievable. There are no duds in those records. Well, yeah. okay, you know, maybe there were. I mean, in the case in the case of early Beatles, or a lot of cover versions in the yeah. early days with Hendrix, you can argue that some of that stuff was not the best. But there was there were other things going on at that particular time that brought those albums above and beyond everything else that was going on around it. It was not full of filler. It was full of imagination and creativity and experimentation, and that deserves a lot of credit. It's yeah. more than just another record from Jimmy or even the Beatles and stuff like that. So I'm going to ask you guys about Massey Hall. You guys all been to Massey Hall, the grand old lady down there on Shooter Street in Toronto? Yes, sir. 
uh, I, it's one of my very favorite places and a place that a lot of people hold close in their heart is one of the best venues in the country. It gets awards for that all the time. It's been around for 125 years. I'm going to ask you, what, what are your, some of the favorite shows that you guys have uh, seen there? Well, I'll, I'll go first. And, you know, uh, I hate to get pigeonholed, but I have to say that my, my Massey list is very limited. But my, the hip show that I saw for the We Are the Same tour, it, sure. was, just, it was magical. It was. It was incredible the seats were great i mean it, it was just an incredible incredible show yeah i um I, i've seen uh i think two two or three shows there maybe more i i've, I've been to a lot of concerts and it's been quite removed but i think that uh, andy schaff was one of the most recent ones uh he's a very he's like a singer songwriter um very interesting sound. He's got like clarinets and, and violins and stuff in his band. Um, and, and what was really cool about seeing him live is I, I don't know. I don't know if I've ever, I've never seen anything like this, but uh, he's very, he's very good at using dynamics uh-huh. in music. So he plays really low, but, but uses, it just makes the highs punch a little bit more. And, 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 um, I say this just because Massey Hall is such a dynamic venue and it, and it really draws out the most out of that. It's probably the best sounding room in at least Ontario. I, I don't, I can't speak for the rest of the country, but uh, yeah, it was just a really sonically, it was a perfect blend to see. And I saw Wilco at Massey Hall as well. And that was, a, that was an amazing show, but I, but I would say Andy Schaff probably, cause it still had that vibe of like, you know, I'm sure half the people, more than half of the people listening to this don't know who the fuck Andy Schaff is. No, I and like, I yeah, <laughs> and that's cool. You know what I mean? Like it had a vibe where it was like, you know, you're seeing something that like you're on the inside of and people don't really quite know what it is yet. And, and maybe 10 years from now, they'll look back on this show being like, you saw him at Massey Hall. It's crazy. That's what it felt like when we were there. So mm-hmm. that's why it was cool for me. It's a room for audio files. Like mm-hmm. if you're if you're a sound geek, it is. A, it's a great room. Mark, ever been? Yeah, I've never been. I've never been to Massey Hall. No. Well, um, it's no. one of those one of those things. It's it's like you kind of go and you'll sit in it and you can feel the history. You can feel the room. It's everything the boys have said. I've I've been lucky to see a lot of these incredible shows. When I was a kid growing up in Toronto, I'd <laughs> see the Toronto Symphony Orchestra there on a field trip, and. Even as a little kid, I do remember. I remember it's like, this is pretty awesome. But of course, as a kid, sometimes you're, you know, you go into a real fancy school gym with, you know, six basketball necks. You go, well, oh, this is great. You know, maybe it was nothing more than that. But look, I got to see Eddie Vedder solo there and Neil Young solo there and Springsteen solo there. Um, the Arcade Fire is one of the best shows I have ever seen. It's up wow. there in my top 20 list. Like, I, I've emceed on that stage. And got out into the stage, and and Ben is a performer. You know what this is like, uh, and, and maybe the rest of you guys know what it's like. Is if you've been in a situation where either performed on a stage or, or or had a chance to actually just be on it, when you step out onto it, you feel it. You all of a sudden you're looking out, and those balconies and all those seats, you're drawn into it. It is a like it is like a. It's almost like that. The crowd is giving you a big hug. You are, they are right there, and it's yeah. not just unique to Massey. It's unique to a lot of music halls around the world, but Massey for us is that one experience that you get. Well, it's 125 years old. I can get into the history of the hall, going back to being one of the great halls for jazz and for classical music, and of course for rock and roll as well too. Um, 
the one thing is it's, it's the room sounds great, but it was a pretty crappy place to see a show a lot of the times. Not exactly the most comfortable room, and sometimes uh, there were certain uh, protocols in place where you could not stand up. I always hated that. There's yeah. this band rocking out on stage, and you are not allowed to stand up, or the woman in front of you is saying, "Sit down." And I said, you know, it, it was that it was that hall that kind of debated about what the protocol was. Is it a is it a old fashioned musical where everybody sits with their hands in their laps to watch the show, or is it one where you are in unison with the band on stage? If you looked around the room, it was a pretty ugly room as well, too. There's no doubt about it. It needed a refit, you know. And so now it's been shuttered and it's being restored. And there are things about the hall that we've not seen that were hidden behind plywood, uh, including a 100-year-old stained glass windows. No way! They are re- they are replastering the the inside of, to bring back its in, its artistic pardon me its acoustic integrity as well too, and the outside of the building is being redone. For instance, one of the things that has been uh, that you can now see. Uh, well, they've taken the gigantic Massey Hall sign down temporarily. Mm-hmm. I believe they're building a new one or restoring that old sign. But along the face of the building, you could never see because it, it was obscured, was the Massey Hall. What is it? The, the Massey uh, Music Hall, which is right embedded into the stone. It's like, what? where did that come from? You know, but I, I know I may be talking about a building here, but for a lot of people, it's, it's a lot more than just that. Little things like that matter. Yeah, stained glass windows and, oh, etchings into the stone and stuff like that. Yeah, no, I but, agree. I mean, from the facade, you would never know it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, it is now going to become part of something called the Allied Music Center. And this thing is pretty deluxe. They are building a seven-story tower in the back of it and this thing is going to be um include new venues uh including five new stages if i count it right for instance there's a thing going to be called the fourth four club it will be a capacity room with five for 100 500 people very much like the elma combos rebuild that they've done which will have direct recording capabilities in it which then one of the seven floors is that going to be on, by the way? That's uh, <laughs> the fourth floor. <laughs> There's the sixth floor uh, theater, uh, which will uh, accommodate 100 people. And they're using this um, as a launch pad for new talent and artistic development, something a little bit more intimate. Also on the sixth floor is something called the lounge, which will be a, what they're calling a casual meeting place for the industry, for meet and greets and things mm. like that. Then on the top floor, the seventh floor studio, there'll be a recording and rehearsal facility there. Um, I don't know how this works. Uh, if you, you guys are all in the hammer, I think most of you guys are in the hammer and you know yeah. the, what is the monolith that's downtown um, across in Jackson Square? The uh, downtown. The Hamilton, the Hamilton Convention Center. Oh, in the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the, the, well, it's called the First Ontario Performing Arts Center. It used to formerly mm-hmm. Hamilton Place. Right. And then uh, attached to that is? Molson, uh, the Molson something. Okay. Yeah, so there's, there's the Molson Studio. There's the First Ontario Performing Arts Center and the Hamilton Convention Center, all mm-hmm. in that building. Yeah. Yeah. That place is a terrible arrangement because it, it tries to be three venues all yeah. at once. Hamilton Hamilton Place, the theater is magnificent. It is it, great. 
Yep. And then they said, okay, let's, like what Massey Hall are attempting to do here is, okay, let's create a smaller room for more intimate performances. The What's the the small room? The, the Molson main, Studio. The Molson Studio, which holds about three to 500 people for intimate shows, launch pad and stuff like that. And then there's the big room upstairs, the Hamilton Convention Center, which could be retrofitted for everything from, from – uh, antique shows to Chris Cornell, like I saw him when he was playing there. But when you drive by the venue, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't appear to be a concert venue. There's no marquee in the front of it. If Chris Cornell was coming to town, you couldn't drive by there and know that, oh, Chris Cornell's playing it here? Holy shit, that's amazing. It there, doesn't there, well, there, there is a digital billboard there, but I mean, it is so dated. It's it's like 1989 on line two. It's it's pretty pretty antiquated, it, it, and, it, and it's easy to miss. So I'm not going to put down this new center, uh, the Allied Music Center. Is that what they're calling it? Yeah, the Allied Music Center, or what call the AMC. What an unfortunate set of letters it's that not, is. It's not named after. It's not named after Allied Car Rentals, is no, it? Is that who's what it is? It's, it's an investment group, a property investment group that uh, are putting yes. a buttload of money into this whole thing for naming rights. And look at that's just the modern age, you know. Um, they're doing a lot of things that the Elma Combo have done. Basically, the idea is okay. We're going to do more than just create a new theater experiment, but we want to make it versatile enough is that we can we can take these performances and stream them to the stream them online into television sell rights like that. I have no problem with any of these things that they're doing right now, but at a time when concert venues are closing in Toronto, they're building yeah. a tower of stages. Yeah. And I, you know what? The, the great thing about the greatest stages that we have, clubs that we have, they are the ones that you can access from the street. When you walk by the horseshoe, you feel it. When you That's walk true. by the Elma Combo and you see that marquee, it's like, hey, Big shit happens in here. When yeah. you walk past Massey Hall and you see that sign, it represents everything from Dizzy Gillespie to you 2 to Neil Young to all those amazing shows that have taken place in that hall. When you see a, a glassy tower parked in behind down, down what is it, Bond Street? Mm-hmm. What is that? You know? Well, I, I and, think this will probably go the way of, I mean, here we are, what is it, 30 one year since it opened how many people call it the rogers center and how many people still they're thinking of tearing it down for christ's sakes and people still call it the sky dome mm-hmm. yeah you can call it the allied mm-hmm. music center it's going to be massey hall forever well they are going to keep that i mean that is the big yeah. face of it but around the back they want they want yeah. look at hey listen somebody is building concert venues in toronto why am i why am i shooting this whole thing down this is a good thing and they're obviously trying to provide some stages uh, where up and coming performers can play there's a thing about some people do not like the fact that in more recent years um, what we will call emerging artists have been playing on this stage it used to be the play at the stage at Massiel you are of international renown that's right and now uh, they created a program where uh Canadian bands, uh, alternative Canadian bands can play on the stage for better or for worse. The Tragically Hip qualifies to play, as do Blue Rodeo and all the rest, but, you know, um, I've, I went, now, listen, I think the Constantines are, the Constantines are one of my favorite Canadian bands. I freaking love these guys. 
but they're not Neil Young and Eddie Vedder and those type of bands that have played on the stage. So some people feel is that the reputation of the hall has dropped because they've opened up their stages. But guess what? Like any concert hall, they got to pay the bills, man. Yep. You need you need to put people on those stages. So enough of reputation. The reputation hall means nothing to somebody's twenty five years of age. The only thing that's important to them is the experience that they're going to mm-hmm. have this night. Exactly. And There's so, got the 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 whole the whole idea to put like a seven story uh, building of stages. Actually, it it reminds me kind of like what they do with um, comedy clubs. Like, do you know how how like a lot of these big comedy clubs, New York and L.A. No. or whatever, they have they're the they're they're built around about four stages ish four or five stages and they got a bunch of different rooms with a bunch of different sizes and it like really nurtures this community of artists and they uh a lot of it has to do with the fact that there's like just a bunch of shows going on at the exact same time and everybody shares a green room right so you're getting all of these you're getting all these 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 young artists um uh, hanging out with all these established artists is like a good idea. Um, also, the the one thing that sticks out to me is like good on Massey Hall. Like, talk about luck to shut down your music video, your music venue, and 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 plan for construction for a couple of years right before a pandemic hits, and you can't book venue book shows anyways. It's like I don't know. Like, there's a lot of these places that are that are shutting down. I think Lee's Palace got shut down. A lot of these places are getting shut yeah. down now because of the pandemic and. And, uh, you know, Toronto's going to need fucking stages, man, because they're starting to turn into condos like a every month. Are, there's yeah. a new, uh, yeah, every, every, every month a new uh, stage is turning into a condo. So, yeah, you know, going back to your first point, listen, that tells you how out of step I am that, yeah, you can actually have a performance venue in a tower if that's the way it's working in NYC. Um, you well, know, they don't. It's sorry. It's not. It's not that they have it in a tower. It's that they have these buildings that have multiple stages. Do yeah, you know I, what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. like yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I guess that's what I meant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, Toronto's yeah, they're shutting down all their music stages. There is a trend not to go out and see a live show anymore, and that's another. That's an issue. <laughs> Reason, reasonable, reasonable trend. Yeah, you know, live performance doesn't count as it still counts, believe me, but not as maybe mm-hmm. as much as it used to. I would argue against that. Um, I'm not sure what's going on. Whether it is, look, at, we all know, we all heard the stories. What it's like to buy a concert ticket. It's it's you have to you have to give up a day of work to go see that one show a year that you want to see so you can get a ticket if you're lucky to get a ticket but those are for the big shows the smaller shows are a little bit different and and uh but massey hall and everything else attached to it this this actually sounds pretty good now there's no opening date for this whole thing um because covid's kind of made it all messed it up and the massey hall restoration or i don't think is near finished yet oh by the one thing the w- one big change about massey hall is that the seats will be removable it will also be versatile enough for live broadcasting and live streaming so there will be temporary seating in there i don't think it's going to be folding chairs i'm mm. sure they will come up with something a little bit cooler but those beautiful padded theater seats that they had there I, they may be a thing at the past nah, that's too bad that but is those, too bad yeah. it's, too, it's too bad but those seats are so uncomfortable man well that's what I said it was a it's a glorious place to listen to a show but not yeah. always the most comfortable place yeah. and those if you're up there in the, rough. and up in the third balcony those were those were 
those were wood bench seats, you know. Yeah. You knew you were in the cheap seats because the seats were cheap too, you know. Yeah. <laughs> There's one thing when you go when you go to the ACC is the seats that are down there in the lower levels are the same ones that they have up in the last row, mm. you know. <laughs> but like sometimes when you buy like cheap seats, you know, you need that little extra push to to you know work a little bit harder to afford the better seats when you're sitting in a fucking wood chair that you, you can't get comfortable in. Sometimes you just need to feel physically the che- your cheapness. You know what I mean? I would argue that may, maybe not so much with concerts. I think it applies more to sports. But the benefit of being in the cheap seats is where the good fans are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where, the, where the actual the fans actual are, yeah. fans especially, are. especially for a leaf game. But even, even concerts, like the cheap seats is where, you know, if you're seeing a show, that's where the rock fans are, you know? I, yeah. I, yeah. I, I should yeah. agree with you on that one, man. It's like, you know, when you're down in front and if you go to a show early enough, there's a community of people there that aren't from the city where the venue is from. They are they are the guys that have been going, guys and women that go from city to city. And there's a community. And if you hang yeah. out enough of them, you get to meet people from all over. And they are there because of the music. They are the lifers. They are the ones that have decided to take uh, a day off, a week off, so they can follow their artists all around. And that's cool. So the great ones are down front, too. That is cool. That's cool. I'm I'm with you. Sorry, go ahead, Mark. I was going to say, I agree with both of you. The thousand in the front are awesome, and the thousand in the back are awesome, and the 15,000 in the middle can get the fuck out of <laughs> the fifteen. Th- then you got 15,000 in the middle on their phones. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. No, I, I just think that uh, the, the, the cheap seats are good because those, those are seats where I go into an event not being worried that someone's mm. going to scream down in front. Mm. That's fair, <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. Or not, no one's going to care if I smell if I light this joint mm-hmm. type thing. Yes. Well, agreed. Okay, so I, I got to tell you experience I had at the at the ACC. Uh, I went to see John Mayer play, and I wanted to check to see what he was all about to see why he's such a big deal. And I had heard that he was a great guitar player, and his reputation sort of preceded him. Plus, you know, a good catalog. So I say, I'm gonna go check this guy out. And it was a really good show. I have to admit, he is everything that, you know, he's annoying at times, but he's he, he's actually a pretty not good to, musician, not right? Not the ladies he is. Sean Mendez from Toronto stepped out on stage. The ladies went crazy. But behind me are these girls that are drinking and absolutely losing it, right? And I want to turn around and say, well, you fuck right off, you know, but I'm not doing it because they're having a good time. Yeah. Then... They poured a cold beer down my back oh, because they were nice. drinking and partying just a little too hard, and it was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that, you just got John Mayer'd. That's, that's, that's what they call I that. didn't sign up for this. You know what I mean? And I, you know, of course, I I try to be a nice guy, and I just let it go. But it's like, yeah, now this is becoming annoying. These cheap seats are pissing me off. <laughs> There's nothing worse than getting annoyed and beer spilled on you while you're listening to your body is Wonderland. <laughs> I'm trying to make. I'm trying to find a joke about gravity. That was that was. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. There's no, a joke in there that, somewhere. Like that guy that was standing up in his seat and eight throw Pink Floyd dancing like he was at a fucking rave. Like, dude, mm. what are you doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what are you doing? You don't know what he was on. Maybe he was at a rave. Yeah. No kidding. All right. I will I say to- so. 
Go. Sorry, sorry. Before before we move on, I've been, I've definitely I don't know if if any of you guys, um, uh, Mark or or Ben, have, have been there where you're at a concert or something and somebody spills something on you. Like I, one of my favorite no. stories was I was at a baseball game and and some fucking <laughs> bitch behind me dumped a fucking box of chicken wings on me once. Oh, <laughs> fucking chicken wings, man. Like what the hell? I couldn't oh, believe that. it. I was a kid. I was like, what? did I just get covered in chicken wings? Like, Jesus, get it together, lady. Okay, How do you so drop they, a box of chicken wings? So were they were they were they baked were they baked uh yeah, were they breaded, or, or were they like, sauce? They were sauce. Oh yeah, they were sauce. Salt and pepper, garlic or hot sauce. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't taste them off of the back of my shirt. I I've smoked some weed. blue cheese on you at all? I smoked some weed where I wished it would start raining chicken wings. That's true. Most of the concerts I've been to, I would have fucking loved someone threw chicken wings at me. That's true. I would have jumped from uh, John Mayer to Bob Dylan. That's a big no, why that's not? a big leap. Uh, the big news this week in music is that Bob Dylan sold his music catalog to Universal Music Publishing for an amount that's reported to be somewhere uh, over three hundred million dollars. Now Jesse Wente of CBC, he's Lord. he's uh, he reported a figure that was in the seven figures, but I haven't been able to find that online. But this is the biggest publishing deal that's ever gone down. This includes everything that Dylan has recorded up until the present day, up till 2020, over 600 songs. And um, what this means is that Universal can now uh, can take his music, and, and we've had this discussion before, sell it for commercials and for movie use, and any time an artist performs or records a Bob Dylan song, they will cash in on the whole thing. Uh, this is a lot of money. His catalog produces a lot of money every single year. Did Bob Dylan just sell out to the man, by the way? Mm. The, the guy that in his earliest catalog, in his 60s catalog, was saying F you to the man, yeah. just sold That's out twice to the man. Now. First he went electric and now this? <laughs> <Yeah>. What the fuck? <laughs> um, this is a lot of money. And um, I just will discover that Bob Dylan actually owns half of the royalties from the band's first album, The Music at Big Pink. Wow. He, actually, he actually earns money for The Weight. That song, and I think it's somewhere in the area of around $200,000 a year. One song alone, you know? So Bob's doing fine. Bob's in his late 70s, and he's cashing in now. It's almost like, I don't know how long Bob's going to live, but a lot of people like to hang under their catalogs because they want to pass it along to their offspring, their family, their legacy, their estate, whoever is included in all these people. And a lot of artists are protect, have protected their catalogs so they can – they can take care of their offspring and their offspring after that. Whereas the trend these days is let's sell everything we have. Mm. And, you know, Stevie Nicks recently sold hers for what was that? $80 million. Really? That that much? <laughs> uh, mm. Just in case you don't know who Bob Dylan is in our audience, Bob Dylan was number one in Rolling Stone's list of the top 100 songwriters his song, Like a Rolling Stone, at the top of the list of Rolling Stone's greatest songs of all time. He's the only lyricist to win the Nobel Peace Prize for literature. There's over 600 songs that are being sold here. His songs have been covered over 6,000 times, from everybody from the Birds to Hendrix to Guns N' Roses. He's sold over 125 million albums. That's why this is a good investment. 
money in the bank, no matter what you think of Bob Dylan. And the one thing, despite him selling these songs, that they will still remain untarnished. They are among some of the greatest and most important songs in the last 50 years. And there's a follow up to what Polly just said. For those of you who are listening who don't know who Bob Dylan is, you really need to get out of the house more. Yeah, yeah. Sometime in the past sixty years, you should have stepped outside. Yeah. <laughs> just, just take a peek. Yeah. I was, I, this on, is not COVID on, anymore. <laughs> on Rolling Stone here, it says that uh, Bob Dylan actually. So, so you said three hundred million dollars. Uh, there's a there's a Rolling Stone article here that said he had, Bob Dylan had rejected a previous offer right. from some other conglomerate for four hundred million dollars. So it's it's possible that it's actually I, higher than that. I just read this morning that Tragically Hip have sold the rights to uh, Ahead by a Century to Scotia Bank, which is kind of sad. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. You know, I thought that it was uh, when when Ahead by a Century was used for the. Um, for the intro to the CBC series and with an E that's kind of like a reboot of Anna Green Gables. Mm-hmm. It was beautifully done. It was like, yeah, I was like, this works, this works in the contest yeah. of this show intro. It was it's just a very abbreviated one minute version of the song, but it really kind of, it, it kind of set up the depth of this show. I mean, Ben, you know, the history of that song in, there are certain lyrics that can't be talked about on the show. When Gord first wrote it, mm-hmm. <laughs> he was thinking about something else, and it's turned into something a lot be- more beautiful than what he originally wrote. But To their credit, Gord's voice is not in the music that's played in whatever – I haven't seen the ad. I, I just mm-hmm. read about it this morning. Gord's voice is, is – yeah. Gord's voice isn't used, but the musical arrangement, the, the you know, the, the song is awesome. is actually been sold to – Scotiabank, which whatever. Uh, the, other, the other thing is a lot of artists, you know, and it, you're, you're seeing this with um, the use of songs for nefarious purposes. You know, when Donald Trump wants to use your song for his political campaign, those are still holding control of the rights of their music, still have a right to refuse, have stepped in and said, no, that's not what I wanted. A lot of people got upset with um whoever the publisher was, whoever on the publishing for the Beatles revolution, when it was used for a Nike commercial. And as one artist pointed out, when John Renner wrote revolution, he wasn't thinking about a fucking running shoe. (laughs) And, and that's kind of interesting. Whereas certain artists at this point in time says, you know what? These songs are so great. Doesn't matter what, where they're used anymore. The fans know that they don't represent running shoes. If you play Revolution backwards, you can hear John say, just do it, Paul. (laughs) (laughs) Just do it, Paul. Oh, that's beautiful. (laughs) I will, I will say like, I don't, I don't know about you guys, but I think the whole, the whole concept of like art, like musicians or whatever selling out is just complete bogus. You know what I mean? Like most of the, most of the people that, that make that claim or, you know, working nine to five jobs at some place that they hate you know what i mean these these people are they created art for the purpose of i mean maybe not initially to be make a whole bunch of money but i mean why shouldn't they be able to benefit from from their their success it's cra- it's crazy to me i would sell i would sell all my stuff in a no heartbeat question. like the second that someone was like hey i'll give you a hundred million dollars yeah. for these songs fuck okay depends on what the, the song's it. being used for it's if yeah. it's for it like matter. a ditch cleaning <laughs> service no but if it's for a like a i don't know like a dick stick sure, yeah. oh, yeah. hey. 
Depends yeah. on who the artist is. Some for some artists, I think legacy and their story, not the current one, but the one that'll be told fifty years from now, is important. And when their catalog it potentially yeah. can be marred, um, yeah, um, it's not good. I mean, it's interesting. I brought up the Beatles and Revolution. In spite of that Nike commercial, and I'm just picking up one instance here. It may be part of a Scotia Bay Scotia Bank ad next week. The Beatles catalog and what they accomplished is bulletproof. You know, it's mm-hmm. nothing. Nothing of is going to take that away. I know. You know, I'm a big Springsteen fan. He's very protective of his thing. So was Dylan. If you went online to look for Bob Dylan videos for all these songs, like let's say he pulled up "Tangled Up in Blue" from his "Blood on the Tracks" record in '75, you can't find it on YouTube. Now you will be, you know, there are, there are a couple of exceptions here and that's because the rights to those videos are owned by other rights holders. But you, up until now, you could not find those Bob Dylan songs. He really was holding close to the chest. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't know. I mean, I'm with, in a way I'm like with Mark's like, whatever, you know, I'll sell it. Yeah, like $700 million. Okay, whatever. I'm I'm 70 years old. I just don't know. Like it's the 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 thing that gets me about that argument. The argument that these people are selling out is the, just the hypocrisy of it. It's like, you know, who who's who is there that can genuinely claim that like they have as much integrity? They have enough integrity to stand up on some fucking pedestal and, and call Bob Dylan out for making three hundred million dollars off of his art. It's like right. it's True. Bl- like like it's rid- it's just ridiculous. It's it, like, a, it, it, it would be like saying professional athlete, well LeBron, you don't need eighty million dollars. Yeah. You should just play it for the love of the game. What's like, the difference? Yeah. For commercial I I understand some artists are really nervous about the use of it in commercial purposes, but you know, I'm watching the show, it's an old show called Peaky Blinders. And Peaky Blinders is kind of like the boardwalk empire of, of England, set back in 19, after the First World War. And it's a great mob show. But what I'm loving is the music that they've licensed mm. for this thing. It's freaking incredible. It's everything mm. from Nick Cave to uh, PJ Harvey to Radiohead to Queens of the Stone Age. Like this is like the coolest soundtrack I have ever seen for a show. I mean, it's dark stuff, but oh, it's awesome you know well you were saying that's very similar to Westworld eh Chris where they take a lot of like popular rock songs and just yeah reimagine them in like a Ridley Scott type way I think, I think it's become the best way to immerse yourself in something you haven't heard is to watch any show that's on yeah, HBO I, or Netflix I, like all got, of these shows the soundtrack the music that comes with them is nine times out of ten is impeccable I can't tell you how many new artists I've discovered through TV yeah. or movies. I got yeah. my Shazam ready to go all the time. Yeah, same here. Because it's like, what is that? This is freaking awesome. Same here. And, yeah. and I absolutely love it. Sopranos did a good job with that too. Yeah, like they they've got some really good like contemporary songs that they added to the soundtrack and like they. I, what I like about the way Sopranos did it is you just they'd integrate it into the story at sometimes where you just get like Tony just like driving, singing like an asshole out the window, like listening to like I don't know the band or something like just mm. stuff like that is really fun, but. Um, the, with Peaky Blinders is weird. I, I only I've never watched the whole show, but and but I remember noticing like I mean I love the the the, the theme song with Nick Cave like that's great. Yeah. But like it always just seems so out of context to me. Like you would get like these oh, guys wow. like in this 
like this this like period piece thing and then PJ Harvey or like Radiohead comes on I was like what is this like it just well, like, kind of <laughs> takes me out of it personally but so what I like about it is that it would be easy and even though there are a couple of episodes that okay that was the the emergence of the jazz year right is that mm. there are you there are those there are those sounds that are going on but what makes it great is the fact that there's always they've kind of thrown a contemporary veil over the entire show like the haircuts that these guys have are not haircuts that they have from the yeah, 1920s no. you know what i mean these guys look like they're street punks from 20, 2020 you know what i mean it's that's what i love about the show is that yeah it's it's set back in a certain period but there are attitudes that are very in looks that are real contemporary and of course as i'm saying sound uh i got a couple bunch of other stuff here but i want to end up with uh cardi b Oh, yeah, and, I didn't expect that. You go to that one. And I'm going to say something here. That I love is, Cardi B. Uh, and, and I and I read this in my news feed here, uh, and I kind of went, "They printed that, did they?" So Cardi B is Billboard magazine's woman woman of the year, and the headline reads, "I like justice, but I also like popping my pussy." <laughs> I think that's going on the new one dollar bill, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> now, there's a big controversy. There's a big controversy uh, that she become Billboard's Woman of the Year, and she's only put out one song. And her uh, response was for crybabies like what? She only got one song. Yeah, I got that song. And we're talking about. That's a good response. Yeah. yeah. Wow. What? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. You know, I was actually I was actually driving home a couple days ago, and that uh, that came on in the car, and I and I, I pulled up in the driveway, and I just sat there for another two and a half minutes and listened to it. I'm just like, and I go in the house, and I said to Sam, I'm like, yeah, that uh, that WAP song was on was on in the car. I'm like. Is it wrong that I'm kind of turned on? Because <laughs> it's, it's so aggressively sexual. It's just like, holy Jesus. <laughs> like she would, her dirty talk would make me fucking uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, just no, hacking a, a dart after. <laughs> woman of the what, year? I don't know about that. Basically, you know, it's, it's a stripper song. You know? <laughs> this is one for the poll, you know? It's like she's getting woman of the year. That's the part that gets me is this, this is all it takes, you know? I think even if that song came on at a strip bar, majority of the guys in there would feel would feel uncomfortable. Mm. <laughs> like, ay, ay, ay. I want to see it. I don't want to hear about I need it. a shower. Uh, <laughs> it head straight to church. Shower my ears. <laughs> so, listen, I, I hate to do this. I got I to fly to work. So, n- next week we're doing the Oscars of Christmas movies, correct? Yes. Yeah, what are our categories, Mark? I, I kind of like Mark's layout. I have... Uh, well, I, I kind of elaborated a little bit more yesterday, but I've got best picture, best animated picture, best actor, best actress, best song and best Santa. And then I also have best Christmas Carol rendition. So what version of a Christmas Carol do you like the most? Be it's uh, Scrooge or uh, whatever. Uh, oh. The best Grinch. What was the best Grinch? And uh, Chris mentioned this one, the best uh, TV special. So like that 30 minute or even maybe like I'd throw Rudolph in there as a TV sure. special. It's not a well, not a full length film, but that TV special that comes on every year type thing. OK, so when you say t- like it, Fro- Frosty, uh, the Grinch, so like the animated, animated Grinch, then? the cartoon. Just to be clear. Uh, oh, yeah, let's say Charlie like Brown's Christmas. It's 
Charlie Brown's Christmas. Yeah, uh, yeah. I have is, for best animated movie. I have uh, Disney's Christmas Carol, but I'll, I can get into the okay. reasons for right. that okay. next. Uh, I got you. I follow. And as I went through this list, I, I mean, Die Hard obviously comes up a little bit, Ben. I know you're not really that much of a fan of that being a Christmas movie. Gremlins also oh, came up a bunch of times, too. And I read a bunch about that movie. Yeah, and there's I, got a, some, I got some interesting Gremlin facts there, for you next there, week. There are a lot of movies that are not that are set at Christmas time that are really about Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Hey, there's the Santa Claus. Yeah, ho, ho, ho. Now I have a machine gun. No, it's a Christmas movie. The gun in his hand. That's a, that's a Christmas movie. <laughs> yeah. There was, uh, I still tried to push for the movie Seven being a Christmas movie because they open a box at the end, but <laughs> can't seem to get people to <laughs> jump in on that one. You know, when you suggested that, I said, okay, was Santa killed in the middle of that? <laughs> yeah, I think it was Santa's head that was in the box. All right. I got to fly, guys. I'll see you next week. Sounds right, good, guys. See ya. Thanks, Polly. Thanks for listening to Black Sheep Radio with Ben McVie, Mark LaFave, and Chris Brown. Join the conversation at BSR Podcast on Facebook and at Radio underscore Sheep on Instagram and Twitter.